Hey folks, welcome back to the DC Three Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, reluctantly, are Vincent, Zach, and uh, <laughs> we're here to talk about the comics coming out on September thirteenth, twenty twenty-two. Starting with Batman versus Robin number one, written by Mark Wade, illustrated by Mahmoud Asrar, and uh, boys, I, I have sort of an overarching meta DC question for you. Has there ever been anything that's been done to a character that has been more hated by other writers than Tom King's Killing of Alfred? <laughs> I knew you were going there. But really, almost everyone has tried to do their own like version of why that's a bad story. I mean, James Tynion did an actual story about... I forget who it was that was yelling at Bane... It was the it was Joker. The Joker. It was yeah. the Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Being like, you dumb fuck, you shouldn't have killed Alfred. And now this is a story that's <laughs> basically going to undo that, maybe? Kind of, sort of? Maybe. Potentially. Sure seems, sure seems like it. Yeah. Um, so, Vince, why don't you start us off talking about this issue? Well, I. Okay. I, I mostly liked it. I think Mark Wade is. I, I've just always thought Mark Wade's a really good writer. Um, I think he's on a, a, a mini winning streak here at DC. I think it's kind of reinvigorated him a little bit. Uh, I enjoy a lot of his work uh, from Marvel, but I think towards the end he was, I think both his interest and their interest in him was kind of petering out a little bit and the returns were dim- diminishing at the end. And I think he, I think he's somewhat re-energized here and I'm going to eat my own words when he eventually bendices um, himself. But, uh, but I think he takes a premise here that I could not more make me roll my eyes than Batman versus Robin. Oh, what if Bruce and Damien were at odds with one another? <laughs> like, give me a fucking break already, you know? That's literally what we've been doing for like five or six years now. Since uh, since, since the new Rebirth. 52, really? Really, yeah, I guess, yeah. yeah. In New 52 as well, you're right, yeah. Right. So, which, which part of that is always going to be Damien's character, right? He is the, the, the issue here literally starts, uh, by reminding you that Damien is a a boy torn between two worlds, the league of assassins and Batman's world, right? Mm -hmm. That's always going to be a part of his character. That's just, inherent to who the character is they're always going to butt heads but it's ridiculous to purposely keep batman and robin apart for this long like batman has not had a robin there's there are robins running around but he's not had a robin at his side in any meaningful way for a long long time and that's bizarre to me and it's bizarre to go right back to that well again after they literally just made up right that said wade leaves himself an escape hatch here that is fairly obvious and fairly overt right multiple characters throughout this issue say there's there's something wrong with amy and there's something that's got a hold of him this is not him we are not meant for a second to think that this is him you know right that's i'm sorry to interrupt here i just want to interject one thing i am so happy that we're not tricked by this at all. 
<laughs> yes. So the, many the, other the versions of, the... of this would have the f- whole first issue. How is Damien doing this? Why is Bruce? And then it turns out the at the end, the last page, you see he's being controlled by somebody else. Right. Right. So now I will say that doesn't make that's just an excuse for why you're ripping Batman and Robin apart again. You know, that doesn't completely absolve anybody here from doing a story that's already been beaten to death. Right. But given that that is who Damien's character is, I'm grateful that that Wade is, is very much upfront about it. Right. That little issue aside, I loved this issue. I, I, aside, aside from the premise itself, almost being a non-starter for me, just so many smart little Mark Wade things in here, like references to, uh, those magical artifacts, the Book of Eternity, the Golden Eye of Ephron, the Sword of Superman, just these bizarre historical things that if you know them, it's fun. If you don't know them, you can Google them really quickly and read about them. And they're these wacky Golden and Silver Age uh, relics, you know, um, fun stuff there. The, the fact that something that not enough writers do is take characters that don't really belong anywhere near a a given family of books or stories and throw them in here for a purpose. That's, that's something that not every writer seems to feel comfortable doing or even thinks to do, but here you get Jakeem Thunder and Tim Hunter who both have been underutilized, I think in the last several years and they're here with, I don't want to act like they're just thrown in here for no reason, they have clear purposes that make sense and are very clever, but they also in a normal DC comics editor's mind, they don't have anywhere, any reason to be anywhere near a bat book. Right. 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 But here they are. And, and Wade is willing to find a way to use some semi obscure characters, at least in the last few years and use them in fun, inventive ways to make an otherwise pretty routine fight between Bruce and Damien into something that's a little more than that. That's a little special and a little more fun because it's got these wrinkles to it. Um, so, yeah, I, you know, <laughs> a title I couldn't be less interested in. And, and because of the writer and because of the artist, uh, Azrar's art is really, uh, really great too. Um, really clean, stylish work. Uh, I, I'm in against all odds. Don't do it, Brian. <laughs> Did we lose Brian? Take a look at me. It <laughs> <laughs> was a game of chicken. I wasn't going to lose, friend. <laughs> Zach, go off on this, buddy. Uh, I mean, Vince said it all, kind of. like. Uh, <clears throat> there's every reason why in the world I shouldn't be interested in this book. But there are, there are also the, the reasons why I should, and it's the creative team. Um, Wade, I agree, has kind of been on a... Uh, on a comeback tour, I think, with World's Finest. And, and Asrar is one of the the best artists out there right now, best cape artists out there for sure. Um, and um, yeah, it, they make a concept that on the surface is 
extremely grown worthy, very cool with bringing Alfred back and with the like incorporation of the magic characters um, in a very like fun and semi inventive way. Um, the sequence in the Batcave was genuinely pretty thrilling. I think like the way it was composed, the, the, the way the action, you know, played out, I thought it was a really enjoyable read. Um, the thing that I think is just the weirdest about this is how much this builds on the Williamson stuff and how I, I would have almost expected this to be a Williamson story, you know? Well, but it also uses the villain that Wade invented for World's Finest. Neja, yeah, yeah. But he, he is getting equal billing to, like, Mother Soul, and this is all building on the Lazarus Island stuff in right. a pretty significant way. Um, so it is it is, it is is an equal parts, like, Wade-Williamson joint, just without Williamson being involved, is how it feels to me. Well, I mean, to me, that... That is one of the things that Wade has always been really good at at DC is being a team player and being part of the sort of like overarching writing family there. Like Wade was part of 52, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's a guy who is used to picking up pieces from other writers and rolling with it. And to me, that's when Wade has always been doing some of the and best stuff. on that note. There, there's been some speculation, I think some stuff in the solicits even indicating that some of whatever Wade is doing is like time and like zero hour adjacent. <clears throat> and mm -hmm. we're seeing a lot of the Time Masters over in the Johns, the Johns joints. You're just waiting for the kingdom, maybe. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking that, that. Wade may also be playing uh, a little friendly with Johns as well. And that, and if we're not getting some kind of zero hour, I, I think that I know we just like goofed and, and, and just not really sure where we stand on everything that was in uh, uh, what was what's it called? Beyond. Flashpoint Beyond last week. But like, I think the divine continuum is 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 the real deal, and we're going to be seeing a lot more of it over the next few years. I think DC is the the creative direction right now seems like very interested in fleshing all of that stuff out. Well, um, and also one last note: I think I think Alfred coming back is is tied to time travel mm. somehow. I think he was like plucked from the moment that he died. Uh, sort of like the uh, uh, what is it called uh, in in uh, Rebels the uh, the place the, beyond the, yeah the the world between worlds yeah. world between worlds thank you yes yeah uh, so no to me you guys are missing the biggest connection to a past DC event the magic and one stuff? that we've what the magic stuff well I'm gonna get to it in a second the, it's one we've talked about before it's one written by Wade. And it's one where there was an offer made to Batman to return Jason Todd to life. And was that, he uh, said no. That was the um, something unleashed. Underworld Unleashed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, that is a book about essentially um, the devil making offers to people for the things that they really want. Right? And... If you had asked both Alfred and 
I mean, is that rather if you had asked both Bruce and Damien, what what would they want? You know, for a, a deal with the devil, it's hard to think of anything that they would like. They would want more than Alfred to return. I'm not saying they would make that deal, but you understand what I'm saying. Like that's that that is like the the core of who those characters have become over the last couple of years. And Alfred's loss is so serious, and so this this gives me major. <clears throat> Underworld so we're, we're getting right. Mephisto in the DCU before we get him in the MCU, is what you're saying? <laughs> uh, sure, yes. My God, is, is DC going to be good again? <laughs> no, it'll <laughs> never happen, but maybe. <laughs> Zach, how, how in would you be if Wade gets all nutty with his, uh, his sort of continuity from before and mixes it in with the new oh, stuff? I'm, and... I'm, all, I'm all for it. I'm literally all for it. Um, it would make me even happier if 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 this was the if I could only just it nothing would make me happier for Wade to come back and do his thing and for Jeff Johns to not be problematic and for him to keep doing his thing and and James Robinson brings back Starman sure yeah, yeah. Totally, and, yeah. And maybe maybe Grant, I'm, I'm down for the maybe good, Grant good Morrison idea, Zach. Grant Morrison gets uh, <laughs> tired of writing novels and comes back to do stuff and we get 52 to electric boogaloo. I was just going to say, can we do 52 again? <laughs> what, like, hey, what have, we, what have we proven in uh, mass media lately other than you can go home again? You literally can, yeah. There's nothing stopping you. God. That also oh, means that if. we have to have a uh, countdown again. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because we yeah. don't have Dan DiDio, though. I, I think I think much like the facts of life, you take the good and the bad with Dan Didio. Like you don't you don't get fifty two or countdown without Dan Didio. Um, but anyway, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to echo everything you guys have said about this. First of all, it's it's really good in in just from a technical standpoint. The Asrar art is really really splendid. That that Batcave sequence, like you said, Zach, is really well handled. And they use the Batcave in a way I feel like it never gets used in both that somebody rode the dinosaur, uh, which is, you know, fun, but also just sort of the idea of these, like, we've, we're always told there are these, like, labyrinth, labyrinthian, labyrinthian, I never know how to say that word, like, passages off of it, and you can get lost there, and Wade does that really well. But Wade also does the, like, Adam West Batman thing of having him, like, fall seemingly to his death only to be saved by the bat boat which is just like you know <laughs> a great just like cheesy batman thing to do um so yeah i i found all of this really charming i think that the imagery of the different magic users being like torn apart is pretty insane like the uh, the visuals are I mean, I don't know. I feel like a lot of times in the show, one of us says, this is the best work of so-and-so's career. And we probably speak hyperbolically with some of that. Excuse me. But I've never seen Asrar do anything that is as jarring and creepy as this. Like, you Mm -hmm. know, Zatanna speaking with a broken neck in a noose, seeing Jason Blood, like, you know, basically stretched between the demon and himself the sort of uh swamp things tendrils growing out of constantine's eyes like all of these images are just really striking and really harrowing and i think that oftentimes when 
We've gotten Justice League dark stories in the past. They haven't gone to my, for my tastes, horror enough. And this is certainly pushing in that horror direction. So I, there's almost nothing from this first issue that I didn't like, aside from, like you said, Vincey, just like the idea of this book, which I still don't need. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm a sucker for these type of stories, for these big, you know, continuity grabbing, old works referencing all that, all that stuff. You know that that that's that's why I'm here. So I'm I'm totally on board with this. Any other notes on this title? Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't think so. Zach. No, I don't. I don't guess so. Um, I guess I'm just like like all big DC stories. I mean, I'm more interested in seeing how it ends than I am necessarily the story being told. Although I do think the Alfred stuff and the emotional uh, leverage there is is pretty compelling. Well, before we move on, let's actually let's let's talk about. <clears throat> Do we think Alfred's actually back? I do. I do too, yeah. I think I there's a know. catch. I think there's some kind of caveat, but um, I do think he's back. See, I... I don't know. Part of me feels like when something like this happens, you have to give the books enough time to come to grips with the new reality before you can undo that reality. And I know that everything moves faster now. Like for instance, you know, Barry Allen was dead for, you know, was it 30 years, 20 years, it was 20 years. Uh, the Barry Allen was essentially gone for, and we're probably never going to see that again. Right. But, it just feels like maybe we should have given a little more time before you bring Alfred back. I don't nah, know. I don't think anybody really wants. I think I feel like they have wrung all of like the emotional. Yeah, nobody, nobody wants that. I think <laughs> anymore. Yeah, I know it doesn't seem like Alfred's been gone that long because he keeps showing up in things, <laughs> right? In like flashbacks or or or, uh, or flashbacks type titles. Yeah, right. Um, but really, he's been gone as long as like Damien was gone when he died, and which was not long it, enough. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, I agree. I'm just saying that's that's how comics are these days. Comics um, these days. Now, if they would, you know, if they would change the format of the DCU to some sort of long running manga esque affair, <laughs> where uh, you know time advanced and characters died and didn't come back and 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 there were never any miniseries or spin-offs or crossovers and you could uh read a thousand issues of action comics and it would all be one story well then maybe we would uh have a problem but as it is this is how comics are so <sighs> I mean, don't get me wrong i'm glad alfred's back i think that alfred is a character that makes no sense to kill off Mm-hmm. For 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 a bunch of reasons, like there there are there are certainly reasons to kill off or at least to the table certain characters. I don't think Alfred's one of those characters, and I think his absence has shown that that's that it that, that it was a mistake. But this just still feels a little bit uh, I don't know 
a little fast for me. Yeah. I'm old-fashioned. Wine and dine me before you're going to 69 me. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I'm going to hold sea bass's hat, Vince. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. That's all. Yeah, kick anyway. his ass, sea bass. Yeah. <laughs> the monkeys, they were a major influence in the Beatles. I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, right. God, I could quote that movie all day. <laughs> me too. Uh, someplace warm. Some, uh, I, I could do a whole thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, fine. Anyway. Where the beer um, flows like wine. Exactly. I don't know, Lloyd. The French are assholes. Um, <laughs> once again, Zach doesn't know what we're talking about. That's okay. It's okay. I don't need to yeah. know. <laughs> He's just thinking about Dragon Ball or something. Uh, <laughs> next up is Batman Urban Legends number 19. Um, we're, are we just going to talk about two of these? Uh, I just want to throw in a comment or two on on some of the other ones, but we we don't have to. Yeah, we don't have to like go in depth or anything. Okay, sure, sure. So we're talking about first talking about the uh, the the signal and the outsiders story, which is written by Brandon Thomas and illustrated by Alberto Jimenez Albuquerque. Uh, I for one thought this was going to be much longer than a two part story. I don't know why I thought that this was going on for a while, but this is a, a relatively concise story here and it i thought it more or less delivered on its premise in every way like it gave us a a good ending for this piece of uh you know the duke story where he's been looking for his mom for so long that has been resolved it does a really nice job of using the outsiders specifically metamorpho in ways we don't see a lot uh Black Lightning is established as a player um, who's trying to fuck Duke's mom. I mean, he has has been that. Right, but, but, you know, reestablish the player. There's some man bad stuff. There's, there's There's a lot of really interesting stuff here, and I think that Albuquerque's art is really playful and expressive, and this is gonna sound like it's not a compliment, but I absolutely mean that it is. We had talked uh, on a, a Patreon episode that just came out about if DC stopped publishing their own comics and if a company like IDW was uh, licensed to make them. And this is exactly the art an IDW DC book would have on it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's an excellent point. This is the kind of story I feel like an IDW DC uh, comic could tell, you know? Yeah. Like, Man, give me give me more of these. Like two issue story, and yet it feels a lot longer than that. First of all, they're they're you know this is a anthology book, but these are effectively full size story. I think they were both twenty pages, right? They were close to it, if not exactly. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They nonetheless they were no longer than the average DC comic, and it told a full story in two issues. And a meaty one. Like, I feel like a ton happened. In in the middle of this two-issue arc, we basically got a metamorpho solo investigation story. Mm-hmm. And a really well-written one. Like, give uh, Brandon Thomas metamorpho, <laughs> a, a miniseries to write metamorpho or something, you know? Like, how wonderful was that stuff? And then the stuff with Duke and his mom just a total home run. You know, that is easily 
uh, a story that could have been not bungled, but just not a landing that, that, you know, was maybe stuck with a more generic amount of heart or something like that. It's it's also, it's also a story that's been going on for a very long time. Yes. And I feel like it's, Going on a long time, but never really in the spotlight either. This background story for five years now, more? Uh, yeah. Ever since the end of... I don't remember. <laughs> Wasn't she Jokerized in We Are Robin? Yes, but they did return... I mean, yeah, that's that's where that happened. Um. I believe there was a part where she was thought to be dead, though, later. Was that during, like, the Joker War? That seems like it could be right. Regardless, it's been like five, three, four, five years or something like that, that this story has been going on. Um, But I, I think he just totally nailed the landing, too, at the end. Like that stuff was legit heartfelt and uh, the way that it ends with him leaving the note on the iPad or Q pad or whatever it is. Um, wonderful stuff. Uh, I thought really, really, really nailed it and, and only took two issues to do it. I mean, this is the promise of urban legends. Like I think this issue is actually a really interesting sort of microcosm of what or not rather like a pilot program for what urban legends could be which is to tell these stories of batman adjacent characters without making them into these never-ending slogs while also doing weird stories that wouldn't really work like like, you know the, the second story we're going to talk about i don't know if that would really work as a standalone book but it works great in something like this right and um it's a showcase for great art. And yeah, I mean, Urban Legends is a book that really has a ton of potential to me to be interesting. And it's not entirely the title's fault that it hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Zach, what do you I think? Mean? Oh, sorry. sorry. Uh, <laughs> just one last quick point. I think in an anthology book like this, anytime you have a, a story that is more than three installments i think you're you fucked up (laughs) (laughs) you know anyway that's that's all i wanted to say uh zach go for it uh yeah i i think i maybe wasn't as high on this story as you guys were but i i did i thought it was fine you know it it definitely it it did wrap everything up in a pretty satisfying way and uh the art was like perfectly grumpulent and uh it did make really good use of characters we don't get to see as much especially like you mentioned metamorpho um yeah i thought i thought it was solid uh i I guess i don't have a ton more to say about it other than i am kind of glad this story is resolved now and i i hope wherever we see duke next it's he he is kind of ready to to move on from you know, the, this kind of weight that has been on him. Mm. Put, yeah, put well Duke said. on the Justice League. Let Duke lead the Teen Titans. Sure, that too. 
All right. Uh, why don't we talk about the other stories in the book, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with our sort of uh, other one we're going to go into. So, Vince, you wanted to make a few comments about the other stories, right? Yeah. So I just wanted to mention um, the art on – there's a um, Scarface uh, story uh, after the Outsiders one uh, called Tiny Hands in the Dark. And I don't have much to say about the story, if anything, but the Hayden Sherman art is really nice and moody. Dave Stewart colors, of course, uh, the master, um, really great looking book. Even if you don't read the words, just, just pour over the art a little bit. It's a really nice, moody, dark, uh, Batman story. And then the, (laughs) there's a, there's a two face story with, uh, uh, Mikkel Janin art. That's it's fine. It is what it, it's extremely short, and it's it's just Two Face giving like a treatise on on his <laughs> him him flipping a coin and why he actually doesn't like to flip coins. That's <laughs> because and it's because Batman always wins. Written written by friend of the show Joey Esposito. Written by friend of the show Joey Esposito. Um, it was it was fine, but it's so short that it's, yeah, it's, it's like a two pager, but it is like. You know, it does the thing where, like, it does the thing, the art thing with you know, one side of the page shows one side of Two Face's face, and the other side shows the other. You know, mm-hmm. it's a it's a yeah. neat trick. Uh, yep. But the one that I really wanted to talk about is the last story. Um, not be- again, not because of anything that's in the story itself or the plot or anything like that. It's a Brandon Easton, Will Robson story called Leatherbound. This Will Robson art. Holy shit. It's good. Uh, it blew me away. Yeah. And I, and I knew the name from Marvel, but I didn't either. I didn't read carefully enough when I saw his stuff at at Marvel or he's on a glow up, but Holy God, this is, uh, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, I would say that both about like the Will Robson art and the the Sherman art in the second story. Yeah. Like, uh, I thought both of those stories had just like incredible art. Um, yeah, it's it's and and then you know then you have Burnham on art in this issue too, and it's like. Urban Legends is a sh- and and Janine even if, if it is just for two issues or two two pages like this is a such a showcase for <clears throat> excuse me some of the just really great talent at DC both like the big names that we're aware of and then maybe some of these lesser known or more up and up and coming artists so uh, it's it's I'm glad that it's being used in that way but yeah definitely the the art in the the croc and the ventriloquist stories were exceptional i think yeah the um the aesthetic so it doesn't look like it's not um bruce tim's style or <clears throat> anywhere anywhere close to approximating like the style of art that bruce tim does but the aesthetic is definitely Batman the Animated Series inspired. Um, it's it's definitely topic. evoking that. I think you even have that Batmobile in the yep in the garage. The, Bat- the Batmobile, <clears throat> the costume is basically a more detailed version of that one. Uh, 
anytime you see the city, it very much looks like the city from the animated series. Um, but just more, more hyper detailed than, than Bruce Tim gets. This is just about my ideal kind of street level Cape comic art, you know, uh, anytime you see Gordon, like, there's these little stylistic flourishes. Like anytime you see Gordon, his glasses are basically like total whiteout. Mm-hmm. You know, little or- little orphan any eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, just the way that like Bruce stands in a doorway or like enters a room or crouches over a like a gargoyle, like just all of that stuff just seems right. There's one scene where he shows up behind a bunch of police officers and he has his cape in his hands, you know, and he's kind of like spreading it out to be intimidating or whatever. Like it just, it looks so right. It looks so cool. Um, it really reminds me of like, it also reminds me a little bit of the Alan Grant years. Yep. Um, kind of just mood wise or stylistically. Um, I, I don't know. Like, Will Robson has done a lot, a lot of work at Marvel. I think great lakes Avengers um, and future foundation are a couple books. I remember him being on. I, I don't know what kind of like a long-term ongoing artist he is or what he's interested in, but put him on a goddamn bat book tomorrow, like an ongoing <laughs> let's do it. This I think so I think good. it even fits in like the visual style of like the Capullo Snyder era as well, yeah. like the colors yeah, especially and the some of the who did the colors? Did it's uh it's someone I've never heard of. It's um uh Matt Herms. Hmm. Herm. It's hmm. my Rorschach. I could tell. Thanks. Uh, yeah, well, the color is very good. Though. <laughs> Info Rorschach's canceled. He's in a bit of legal trouble. Uh, yeah, lately. just a little bit. He forgot his kids' names because he ate too big of a bowl of chili. <laughs> uh. <laughs> it, all right. Should we talk about the, the last story then? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sure. All right. So uh, last up here is the second part of the Pennyworth Files, written and illustrated by Chris Burnham. And uh, Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? I mean, this just continues to be delightful in every way. Um, it's it's Burnham art, so you know I'm going to gush over it. And it just it's just so fun, Alfred having his, having his little adventure without without Bruce. Um, I love how it opens up with the, uh, you know, it's seemingly he's, he's giving his farewell to, to, to Bruce, um, you know, telling him he's enjoyed all the, all the time they spent and it's been a pleasure, the honor of his life. And then it's learning how to disarm cardinally synchronized time bombs with you. It's it's just (laughs) such a great gag. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That part is so funny. And, and again, it just like, I would not have pegged Burnham for like a really smart and, and witty writer, like nothing against him. I've just never really. Oh, wow. But Chris Burnham is a dumbass. No, that's not what I mean. Like, I've, I've, I've only ever read, 
you know, a few things that I think he has written outright, you know? Um, and, and I think most of them were just like kind of off the top of my head. I actually am not sure. I think he maybe did like a one-off story and like there was a Batman Inc. special that I feel like mm-hmm. he maybe wrote. I don't know. I've just never read him, but like, again, this is some of uh, my own, you know, uh, prejudice against writer artists that i've discussed before you know he, on the he show did, he did write a uh a bat a story in the batman incorporated special anthology one shot from 2013 yeah that's what i was thinking of um and he also wrote an interlude from issue number 11 in volume two of batman inc okay okay so like there hasn't been a lot to go off of and and um but this this is like exceptional work i think like this is put him on any book he wants to do at dc i think at this point um mm-hmm. uh, just off of you know the this resume i think this this is just so fun and good and uh, i i don't i don't really have like <laughs> a lot of like nuance uh to be given there other than this this just blows me away every time i'm reading it yeah i i enjoyed this quite a bit uh i think this this issue this installment chapter whatever is uh is maybe not quite as good as the first one i thought this one peaked kind of early with that uh it's been the honor of my life bomb sequence um it gets a little bit bogged down in the story of these whalers that I that that, that really is incidental to the story, right? I, I, yes, yes, we sort of need to know what they're doing, but ultimately we're not really here for that story, and so it gets a little bit too bogged down on that for me. But that's a really minor complaint. Most of this is really, really well done, and the art is just I mean, every page has something else that's just utterly brilliant on it, and I. I just can't wait to see more of this because even for just a couple of the little wonderful moments we've seen throughout here in each installment, it'll be worth it. The the, the thing I like about the the whaling bit is is just Alfred and kind of like misery of trying to figure out this riddle of the the the, the name of the the head of uh, head of Dag and just just going through his uh, his mental rolodex and each each possibility is worse than the last one and then at the end he's just getting ready to go on the suicide mission and he turns and sees the sign of the headless mummy of Dagon and he's so he's so relieved it's such a good bit and payoff i think and and the the way that burnham does the build up and and i i just think it's it's just really good it is yeah, yeah, it's great. What a, what a fun, slick read. My only uh, criticism is that Alfred absolutely should have known that it was the head of Dagon <laughs> without going through all that trouble. Because uh, if I know that reference, certainly a well-read man like Alfred Pennyworth would. No? Agreed. Okay, all right. I agree, I agree. I said uh, I no, agree. I'll go fuck myself. <laughs> Oh boy. Sorry for reading books. You're going to do that anyway. 
Oh, that's if Swamp Thing is around. <laughs> <laughs> Teasing the stinger. Blah, 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 blah. Teasing the stinger. Da, 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 da. All right, folks, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about our final book of the week, so stay tuned. Hello, we're the hosts of the Multiversity Manga Club podcast. I'm Emily. I'm Zach. And I'm Walter. Each month, we pick a manga to read and discuss among ourselves. Past books include Monster, A Silent Voice, and Pokemon Adventures. We also look back on the past month's installments of Weekly Shonen Jump, discussing the highs and lows from the Viz anthology. We've even discussed notable manga adaptations like Netflix's Death Note. At the end of each episode, we announce next month's book club pick so you can read along with us. We're always open to suggestions for future books as well. So join us on the first Friday of every month on multiversitycomics.com, Apple Podcasts, or your podcatcher of choice. And we're back to talk about Dark Crisis, World Without Justice League, Wonder Woman number one. Say that fucking title five times fast. We can only talk uh, about this for 28 minutes, just letting you know. Okay. Uh, written by Tinny Howard, Il- Tini Howard, rather, uh, illustrated by Leila Del Duca. Uh, Zach, why don't you start us off with this one? Um, so I, I mostly liked this, the art I really liked, the story was not bad, but it felt like a dream, like a weird, yep. it, it used a lot of weird dream logic. Um, it, it felt like dreams that I have had before where information is revealed that like changes the perspective of the entire story that has that is being told in a in a very sharp and like jarring way uh again i don't i don't think any i i I don't think that it's bad i actually mostly liked this story quite a bit um I kind of wish it had been longer. I think this is the first of these stories that I kind of maybe wish was more than just one issue. Yeah, I, I, I definitely do think that. From this end. What's that? I think I, I think you're alone in that sentiment from okay. my end, at least. Okay. I I agree with you, Zach. Although I I would just want like ten pages more. I don't need a maybe, whole other issue. Yeah. Uh, maybe. Yeah. Ten to twenty more pages. I, I feel I, like you could have I, just I, used a little more room to breathe. Yes, that's what I thought. Because I, I really enjoyed this. And Zach, I think the sharp turns that you're talking about and, and the dream logic, I, it kind of sells it for me. Yeah. That, like that that almost makes it work even better than it would otherwise, I think. Um, I just think the ending's a little rushed. Uh, but I think, you know, we, we've talked about how uh what what these different worlds in dark crisis are supposed to be almost changes between writers or or maybe we learn a little more about them from writer to writer and i think this is no exception to that and i'm actually starting to get a kick out of how they're not all the same thing you know um well, they all so many. They, they, so they many, all sort of reflect the the person who's imagining them, right? Yeah, yeah, but 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 not only from a story standpoint, but also from like what the what idealism even is to them. You sure, know what I mean? Sure. I think that's really clever. Um, I don't think any of these have been an absolute out of the park, undeniable home run, like. 
uh, like a story we would perennially return to or anything like that. Um, oh, I liked the Tom. I think the Tom King one I would. Yeah, I, I know you did. Um, but uh, but I think they've been really strong across the board and kind of fascinating in how they're not following some pre-prescribed formula. That's my problem with, with a lot of event tie-ins where it's like, okay, we know – all right, this is going to be the bit where they meet the thing and do the do the guy, and 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 then this is where they'll end up in the end. And these books don't do that. And even if I don't end up lo- like this one, I really liked, but like the Tom King one, I didn't love. But I was at least interested. I didn't know where it was going or what the formula was. And I still don't. I still can't guess. You know, and I think that's exciting. I will slightly disagree with that, I guess, in that I thought this was pretty predictable, and I I would not consider myself surprised by anything that really happened here, aside from, like Zach mentioned, the sort of twists and turns that happened. But there's how the story ended, and I don't think that's all that shocking. I think that every... I don't know. I, I guess... I guess 10 more pages might have helped us a little bit, but I I just felt like this was a problem of pacing, not a problem of length. Like, I don't know if you needed to do as much stuff with Edda in the beginning. Like, that whole sequence was cute, but ultimately I think it takes up too much of the story from once we get an actual plot to the story, right? Um, I did like the sort of jarring, dreamlike aspects of it at times, but... I think for me, it's just I have not really enjoyed any of the Wonder Woman fronted stories in about a year, I guess. And most of that has to do with folks that aren't Teeny Howard. And so I don't want to put this all on her necessarily. But I just don't feel like this is like this continues making Diana the least interesting version of her that we've gotten in a few years. I guess now it's my turn to go fuck myself. Well, I'm thinking about that. I I don't know if I don't know if I don't know if I think this is a uninteresting Diana. I think Diana has been uninteresting in recent Wonder Woman stories, but I like the way she's juxtaposed here more against her amazon sisters you know um i think that makes her a little more interesting it shows it shows you why okay i think for reasons that are both good and bad the current run of wonder woman kind of makes diana seem more ordinary among her people right Mm -hmm. um i think i think on the one hand, it's good to elevate Nubia in that way. This character who's been around forever and um, would be a boon to diversity. All that stuff is very good and earned and, and makes perfect sense. But in the grand tapestry of Wonder Woman right now, uh, Diana has lost her uniqueness, I think. But I think this single issue does a good job of showing why Diana chooses man's world 
I know. I guess that's maybe not. <laughs> that is a point that has been explored throughout Wonder Woman's history, but not recently, I don't think. And it does do a little bit to set her apart against the backdrop of the current Wonder Woman run, which which very much has her as part of the tapestry, I think. So I think that's why I appreciated this, especially compared to the other Wonder Woman stuff we've been getting. Well, I mean, the other, the other, stuff, the other stuff we've been getting has been routinely bad, right? Whereas this is, this bad, is certainly not bad. Boring. Um, boring is bad. I was just going to say, I, to me, that when it comes to entertainment, I don't know if there's anything worse. Something can be than boring. To me, boring is is worse than bad. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, yeah, I agree with that perspective. Um, but yeah, I mean, this certainly isn't bad. I do want to talk about the backup in a minute, but do we have what else do we have to say about the uh, <clears throat> the main story? I, I just want to say I don't I don't think that this is a boring Diana. In fact, I actually think this is a very interesting status quo. If they ever wanted to run with this, this idea that Diana actively chooses to be the only Amazon in man's world because it kind of makes her special. And then slash also all the other Amazons going into space <laughs> is very cool. <laughs> Yeah, I, I do like that idea a lot, and I do think the idea of of it's a reverse uh, Krypton. I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also do like the idea of the others thinking that Diana is doing this for attention, mm-hmm. where like we as the reader know that's not the case, right? But I think it's it's seated well enough in here that you can sort of see it, right? Like even if you don't believe it, you can see why somebody else would think that. Yeah, and I find that really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as I, I said, I think I think to me it is just a pacing issue in this for me. But let's talk about the backup, which is a Martian Manhunter story. <clears throat> It is written by Dan Waters and illustrated by Brandon Peterson. And I think this is the best Peterson art we've got in a very long time at DC. I thought that his art really worked for this like neo-noir story that's being told here about Marshall Manhunter on an Earth where people have uh, merged themselves with squids. It's nutty. <laughs> Dan Waters has a beautiful mind. <laughs> Just there's a line in there. There's a line in there where I oh got This is so cliche of me to say on the day that Luda came out as well. <laughs> but there's a line in there where Waters almost out Morrison's Morrison. <laughs> um, I'm going to look for it. You guys talk amongst yourselves. For a second, yeah, Zach, did you did you enjoy this story? Yeah, I liked it. I, uh, I thought it was pretty good too. Yeah, I like. I thought the art was good. I thought the premise was better. Um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this quite a bit. Yeah, I, I think that this very much is a good Martian Manhunter story, <laughs> and I liked the way that the story used sort of the. You know, Marshman is a character who oftentimes is talking telepathically and has these connections with other characters. 
So it was clever to see him sort of have a connection with himself where he was able to communicate with himself about these, about what, you know, the world that they're living in. I thought it was very, very, it was very well handled and very interestingly illustrated by Peterson. Vince, did you find that line yet? Yeah, I did. I did. No matter what the bloody, no matter what bloody horrible things Terrans do to each other, nothing will ever be as strange to me as the ridiculous way humanity used to walk around this planet looking. A single centralized brain, no adaptive camouflage, no ability to regrow lost limbs. And you still thought you were the dominant life form on Earth, even though squid and octopuses were living alongside you doing all those things better. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> Which is the, pretty good. Pretty good. And it's the premise for the entire... So, like, we we saw the Martian Manhunter design teased mm-hmm. a couple times before we ever got this issue, right? And... And I'm, the whole time I'm wondering, like, why is it like that? And he just explains to you in, like, one hmm. line, basically. <laughs> like, squid and octopi. First of all, octopi, not octopuses, John. Come on. Um, but uh, squid and octopi were living alongside you doing all these things better. Wonderful. Wonderful stuff. It's, uh... <laughs> it's something... And it's almost like it's not inconsequential to the story in so much as like the fact that humanity now has like some telepathic ability is important. But the fact that they're merged with squids to get there almost means not, it, it matters not at all, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's just such an interesting choice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this is a this is a very fun uh, installment, and Vince, I have to sort of echo something you you were saying before, or I I think it was Vince, I'm not sure. Where each of these has felt a little bit different thus far, I think that the writers are doing a good job of giving us a world that does feel true to the person who is imagining it. The only one that hasn't felt that way, unsurprising to me is the Tom King Superman one. Mm-hmm. But you know, well, you guys are both wrong, so it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to agree to disagree on that, but that's okay because uh, we're done for this week. Vincey, what comes out next week? Next week, Batman, one bad day, two face. Number one, Batman, Superman, world's finest seven, Batman, the night nine, Black Adam 4, Catwoman 47, Dark Crisis Young Justice 4, DC vs. Vampires All Out War 3, Deceased, War of the Undead Gods number 2, Duo 5, Fables 155, The Harley Quinn 30th Anniversary Special, uh, Looney Tunes 268, Nightwing 96, The Flash 786, and Titans United Blood Pact number 1. That's going to be a week of comics. And we'll be there to talk yeah. about them. But if you need to get in touch with us before then, I am on Twitter at Brian is an app. And I am at the woke of Z. If you need to find Vince, he is uh <laughs> Where am I, Brian? Come on. Well, I, I was gonna mention I was gonna do another thing about Swamp Thing, but we already have that in the stinger, and you teased it earlier, so I mm-hmm. can't do that. So I'm gonna say that um Vince is I, I, he's jacking off the She-Hulk. We know where he is, folks. Okay. Come on. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 
Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. Back next week. Take care. And I'm 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 a week behind on pounding off to swamp or uh, swamp things. <laughs> That's the stinger. That's the stinger. Yeah. <laughs> She Hulk, obviously. Uh, oh, see, that's I, big, I, I get why big, you're doing that, but I can never. Big green twerking. I get it. Yeah, I yeah. can never.